listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 30th of August, 2021. Later current trends in the beauty business, but first we'll start with Fortescue Metals and the company has doubled its full year profit to 10.3 billion US dollars. It's a record result and it's paying $11 billion in dividends this year. For more, I spoke with its CEO, Elizabeth Gaines. Elizabeth, you saw record shipments, revenue, earnings and cash flow for the year. Can those types of milestones continue into this current year? Well, certainly when it comes to operational excellence, we can continue to deliver. And as we've seen, we had shipments that were above the top end of guidance at 182.2 million tonnes. We had uh, we maintained our industry-leading low-cost position and we achieved outstanding safety performance. So those are the things that we can control, production, safety and cost. And for this year, we've guided for uh, shipments in the range of 180 to 185 million tonnes, so sort of maintaining the top end of that range, as well as uh, an industry-leading cost position, and we're always focused on zero harm. So we'll stay focused on that in terms of the market. Obviously, last year, we've seen very strong iron ore prices. Uh, And actually, interestingly enough, the average Plat 62 index for FY21, which is the year that we've just reported, was $154 a tonne. And we realised $135 a tonne or 88% of that. The current iron ore price is $157 a tonne, so still above the average for last year. So we've seen a strong start to FY22. Uh, we, can take, we, we continue to be focused on those things we can control. And by staying low cost, we, actuate, we, we generate very strong margins regardless of where we are in the iron ore cycle. Speaking of things, though, that you can't necessarily control, and, and that obviously is, is, is China when we talk about a slowdown and restrictions there on steel output, do you have any concerns about the ongoing tensions between Australia and China and how that might fall out into the iron ore market? Well, the Pilbara region of Western Australia supplies around 60% of iron ore to steelmakers in China, so we're a very important supplier. And at Fortescue, we've adopted a multifaceted approach to our engagement with China. Not only do we have longstanding relationships with our steel mill customers, we procure product from China. We have other connections. Our second largest shareholder is a Chinese SOE steel mill. Uh, We have other um, broad uh, sponsorships and other relationships in China. So it's very multifaceted. We certainly don't take that for granted. We stay very close to our customers And I think throughout COVID, we've demonstrated that we've been a very reliable and secure supplier of iron ore. When other markets have been impacted and you've seen volatility and interruption to supply, the Pilbara region in Western Australia, which is the closest market to China, it's an average 14-day seaborne journey, has demonstrated time and again that we're a very reliable and secure supplier. So we stay very focused on our engagement with our customers. We're not seeing anything to indicate any change in behaviour from our customers in China, and we are a very important source of supply to them. You're based in Western Australia. Border restrictions there are quite tough. What has this meant for the supply of workers for Fortescue, and are you in support of the state government's policy on border restrictions? Well, fortunately for us, about 90% of our workforce reside in Western Australia. So our exposure to our teammates who normally reside on the East Coast is around about 10%. But there are some key skills and trades um, that do reside on the East Coast. It has been tough. I mean, we've lived with border restrictions sort of on and off last calendar year. 
I think we thought we'd got to largely the end of that and then, of course, the Delta outbreak uh, starting in New South Wales. So that's been challenging. We continue to support our team members. Some have decided to permanently relocate to Western Australia and, to, and some have decided to temporarily relocate and we provide accommodation for them when they're not on site. So we've really worked with our team members. We haven't had a significant impact as a result of border restrictions, but it's something we're monitoring really closely. Uh, in terms of, uh, you know, my view is that vaccination is definitely the key, the key to getting greater mobility in the workforce, to opening up the borders, to making sure that we can get on with business, we can get access to the resources that we require, and getting to those vaccination levels is critically important. And we certainly want to see, obviously, there's a science-based approach to this, and we want to see that that is, uh, is implemented so we can get greater mobility. We also put in place rapid antigen testing. So we've been using rapid antigen testing to make sure that we keep COVID out of our operational sites. In terms of vaccination policy, will you be making it mandatory? We haven't reached a position on whether we make vaccination mandatory. In fact, a part of our culture is to ensure the health and safety of all of our workmates and ourselves. And we're seeing, we're encouraging our team members to get vaccinated. It's only been very recently in Western Australia that those over 20 years of age can actually be vaccinated in that age group. So let's wait and see what the vaccine hesitancy rate looks like before we make any um, position in terms of uh, vaccination policy. Now, there's also been increasing focus of sexual assault and harassment allegations within the whole industry. So I asked Ms Gaines how prevalent it is at Fortescue and what the company is doing about it. Well, in terms of uh, the parliamentary inquiry into sexual harassment, we, we support that inquiry. Uh, we've made a submission to that inquiry and bullying and harassment of any type, sexual or otherwise, is not tolerated at Fortescue. And we have policies and processes in place. We have speak up campaigns. And we've been doing that for a long time. One of the things we are doing more recently, given the, uh, you know, the focus on this, is we've actually been asking our workers, what is it about you know, the work environment that we could improve? Are there any areas where they feel unsafe? Uh, and so we're actually going through a comprehensive process of speaking to our workforce and understanding what it is that they might want to see uh, improve as, as we move forward. But certainly bullying and harassment has no place at Fortescue. You're announcing some climate change targets at the end of September. What can you tell me about your role in renewable energy and green industries and what they play at Fortescue? Well, Fortescue's made a pretty ambitious target to be carbon neutral by 2030. And to achieve that, we need to invest in renewable energy. So there's two aspects to Fortescue future industries. One is supporting Fortescue's iron ore operations and our decarbonisation. And the other is the development of a significant export market, which we firmly believe will be significant. I mean, climate change is a fact. Uh, the world is warming at a faster pace than previously anticipated, and we need to take action now. So that's why we made the decision to be bold and to set a carbon neutrality target by 2030. That requires investment. We think it's critically important, and that will also contribute to the scope three emissions reductions targets that we, we've referenced today that we, we're going to announce by the end of next month. And we think that those targets and the investments we're making in being actually carbon neutral, it actually means we're going to be providing an iron ore product to our customers that will be free of emissions by 2030. Elizabeth Gaines there, Fortescue Metals CEO. To the Australian share market now, which rose, Fortescue actually added 6.6% today. So investors like that news. The 200 up 0.2%, 7,504. For more, I spoke earlier with James Whelan from VFS Group. James, it's the end of the month. How's it looking? 
It's, it's looking like we're uh, we're right on the on the brink of potentially potentially with the ASX being up one percent for August. We're right on the on the closing gasp here. If we can make it to the end of August with a with a positive uh, in the, uh, for August, it looks like it's eleven months of straight gains, which will be the first time in seventy eight years for, for the ASX. So a bit of a record breaker. We're right there on the cusp. And the miners are holding us up. Why? Yeah, so it looks like the market uh, a bit, uh, sort of a little bit shaky today, but the miners are holding us up. The three reasons for that: oil uh, is getting a bit of a burst. Uh, the hurricane in the U.S., which has just made landfall, taking out more oil production than Katrina, uh, and also the Colonial Pipeline over there, partially shut down at the moment too. So some big impacts. You've also got dovish talk from the Fed chief on Friday night, which has impacted gold to the upside really well. And then you've got iron ore. The price pops a little bit too, and some of the big iron ore miners giving us a huge dividend as well. Which, uh, which is about to be paid, but BHP at least too. You mentioned iron ore. Profit reporting season is wrapping up. We heard from Fortescue today and Crown. What do you make of those two numbers? Uh, the original odd couple, those two, uh, those two companies. If you want two side by side that show exactly where we're at now, it's, uh, it's something else. Crown, the real disappointment on this one, uh, showed a pretty, pretty abysmal numbers all around there. Revenue's down 31%. And a full year net loss of 261 million. No dividend either for them uh, either. On the other hand, you've got Fortescue, huge dividend, huge gains. Everything is fantastic. That stock is up six percent at this current time. Crown, uh, sort of to be expected. The funny thing with Crown, though, is if you cast your mind back to the middle of May, it actually rejected a takeover offer by Blackstone uh, because they said it was it was it undervalued the company. Uh, now we sort of go. That was about thirteen dollars. Now the stock. Trading much much lower than that now, so it's interesting just where, where you put the valuation of the company. Maybe they wish that they'd uh, that they'd accepted that offer. What's your analysis of reporting season all up? Yeah, we've seen about thirty five percent of companies beat. We've seen about twenty percent of companies miss, and the balance have been right in line there. It's been a tale of a few different uh, sides. We've seen huge dividends come out of the miners, which is great. Companies really keen to pay back money. Banks doing buybacks, sensational things. We've also seen the expectations on, on where companies are seeing with regards to lockdown, and that's where people are trying to just maybe there's buyers on dips because of the lockdown, but I think that the best place to be is in the miners, and we've seen the banks just on spending a huge uh, cash reserves on, on dividends and on buybacks, really, really benefiting the shareholders. And speaking of the best place to be, where do you see the investment opportunities at the moment? I still think that any pullback from Chinese production is because they've got the Winter Olympics coming up in February. Sounds a bit cynical, but we're seeing that happen. If you can buy the commod- any commodity stock or any commodities at all on any pullback, expect that once the, the Winter Olympics in Beijing are over in February, everything starts back again in China. So I think that commodities right now, with the dividends that they're paying, is a great space to be. James Woolen there from VFS Group. Now to Adore Beauty, which swung to a profit of $845,000 last financial year. It listed on the ASX in 2020, taking advantage of consumer trends moving online. For more, Anna Napoli spoke with the CEO, Tenille O'Shaughnessy. In terms of lockdown and do-it-yourself at home beauty products, are there any that stand out in your mind? Do you know where we've seen some really, um, uh, some a real, really strong increase in sales has been in the sex category. And so beauty, we very much view as a, a self-care category. Um, and and the, the sex category in particular has, has performed strongly during the lockdown period, which goes to, you know, our customers wanting to nourish and look after themselves. And that's a really important part of wellness. You've offered employees extra days off to deal with the stress of COVID. What's the reaction been like? 
Look, I think the first thing I would call out is I'm just so incredibly proud of our team and staff. So, so this is a team that, you know, rapidly scaling any business is, is not easy, but this is a team that has absolutely come together and, and worked collaboratively as a team to be there when our customers needed us the most. So our team has worked through multiple lockdowns here in Melbourne and Victoria. They've worked through a significant increase in customer orders and volumes, and they're just very much focused on doing doing the right thing for our customer and getting our, our parcels out the door, recognising that a, a gift box from a door that comes with your samples and your, your complimentary Tim Tam is a little moment of joy that our customers really need during lockdown. So the, the best way that our, our leadership team could think about in recognising the contribution of our employees and, and recognising and thanking them for our focus, their focus on our customer was to put in place initiatives that, that allowed them to focus on their own mental health. So some of the levers we've looked at, we, we, we offered a, a mental health recharge day last Friday where we had the, the whole team down tools for a day. We've also put in place initiatives like um, putting in place focus time, so meeting free times once a week. And so the intention there is, you know, we're, we're all on Zoom. We're all on Zoom for many hours a day. Our team gave us feedback that they would benefit from having a time away from Zoom where they could do focus work. Uh, we've also been very focused on putting in place um, initiatives through our people and culture team to have people come together and connect. So we've run 53 separate employee events covering things like lunch and learn sessions to um, morning teas to product giveaways to exercise classes with the intent to try and bring us together and really reinforce that we're part of a team, even though we might be working in a socially distanced way at the moment. And Tanil, for years, uh, hair and beauty products have excluded women of colour. <laughs> what is Adore doing across its platform to address this? It's a great question and then I think one that is very dear to, to our hearts. So one thing we focused on, we, we did a formal launch of a campaign that, that we call Global Shades. Now, now, this represents the next step in a journey for us aimed at increasing inclusivity in the beauty category. And so our intent with Global Shades is to call for positive change across the entire industry, so across all our brand partners and all retailers, to ensure that Australian consumers have access to the full range of shades that are available globally. So what we were seeing historically was that we were having challenges in being able to access the full range of shades that brands might offer globally. Instead, we were able to only access a subset. And so our intention with launching Global Shades is to provide a platform to communicate some of the challenges that exist um, across um, driving inclusivity in the beauty industry and to really call for positive change, starting with the change that we can make here at Adore. Tanila Shanasi there, the CEO of Adore Beauty, speaking with Anna Napoli. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. Content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Listener.